All right, Leafs Talk, J.D. Bunkus, joined by the wonderful Haley Salvi. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for letting me pick it. Are you... Born had something better to do tonight? Are you thrilled that you are on a show that was this game tonight? Actually, pretty exciting finish. Honestly, the game itself, I thought was yeah. pretty boring through the first, like, two and a half periods. Tavares yeah. takes an interference penalty, and Tyson Berry just refuses to not do the classic thing, which is former yeah. Maple Leafs hurting the current Maple Leafs. And all of a sudden, it was actually kind of a little energetic. I got a little bit of the sweats after the last couple of minutes in that hockey game. Yeah, it was looking like I jinxed the whole thing because I texted you with like seven minutes left in the game. You're like, so cool to talk about all of these things. And then, uh, you know, the very next play, the Is Preds get the first goal. And then, you know, it goes from 2-1 to 3-2 finish. I thought that this game was going to be one of those like, oop, it's a back-back, just forget about it. It's not a big deal. You know, a 2 nothing loss can be a 2 nothing loss. Uh, mm -hmm. So it got more you know, exciting than I thought it was going to be. And it was also a lot cleaner and better by the Leafs than I thought. It was very, very sloppy at first in the first period. It was pretty rough, rough going, rough watching. First, you know, 10, 10 it's a game, obviously not getting a shot until 1430 in the first period. But it turned out to be a better game than I thought it was going to be at, you know, a six o'clock Sunday night game. You know what, though? Right. I'm glad that... Obviously, the Leafs started poor. I think that you also texted me, are the Leafs broken quite early in this game? Because they were very flat-footed. And it looked yeah. almost hyper-predictable. I love to overreact, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's actually the best thing to do is when you're watching sports. It's just that social media, yeah. for whatever reason, has captured it and decided to keep it always in time capsules. But I thought, okay, this is pretty classic. They had 50 shots essentially the night before. They played their guts out. They lost the game. They're going to show up here in Nashville. And they're going to have a slow start. And good for Joe Wall. Yeah. Like, he started off mm -hmm. in that first period and let the Leafs settle into this hockey game. I think he made uh, 11 saves, 12 saves in the first period, a lot of which yeah. were some tricky shots. There were a couple of plays that were off the rush, a couple of dangerous ones. Nothing that was, like, the save for me, but just – looked pretty confident in the net. And, and I thought that that was basically the story of the game for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight is, hey, the third goaltender who shockingly has graded out incredibly well analytically for them when he's been able to grab the net was awesome. Looked athletic, mm -hmm. looked big, made a bunch of saves. He gives up a decent amount of rebounds, or at least he did in that first period. But yeah. always seem to find a way to kick them into safe areas. And so, yes. yeah, I think that if you're a Leaf fan and you saw this one tonight, yeah, you're not hoping to see him come Stanley Cup playoffs. Of course not. You're hoping that one of the two guys ends up running away with it. But it, it does feel like the Leafs are deeper in net than years past when they've had Michael Hutchinson as their third guy or yeah. they've had Riddick, your guy, coming in as their third guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, I really didn't mind the kid tonight. I thought he was spectacular. And I really wish he would have got a shutout. He was very close to it. Yeah. And you know what? To go back to the way that the first period was going, this looked like one of those games where you kind of come out of it saying something like, well, that's not the way that you want to play in front of your third string, like young goaltender. You know, the Leafs should have locked down a little bit more. They should have been better in front of him. Um, I mean, they ended up cleaning it up and, and it didn't matter. Like the sloppiness didn't matter. Like Joseph Wool could handle it. He could handle the, you know, higher rate of shots he was getting, you know, 
pucks were coming in close. The Preds were getting high danger chances. They were getting a higher volume of shots than the Maple Leafs in the first period. And it was the the young rookie goalie from the Marlies who kept them in it during, you know, the rough first, like, you know, six to 10 minutes of this peri- first period until obviously the Leafs go and get the the power play goal. But, you know, you mentioned the the rebounds and the rebound control wasn't great at times, but it was very strategic on his part. There was one great um, kick save in the first period where there was like tons of traffic in the net. You know, there was all the guys in the Preds were coming from like the left side and he did well to, you know, he didn't freeze the puck, but he kicks it out the other way gets it away from where all the action's going. And, and, you know, he just, he made the saves need to make, he got the job done tonight and you don't want Joseph wall to be the guy in the postseason against the Tampa Bay lightning. Cause a, a game against the Preds at this point in the season is different than the first round of the playoffs, but it does give you confidence on both sides, like from wall and from the front office and, and the bench staff um, to know that if something were to happen in the postseason, not to have a bad omen here, but if some if you needed to, you have a third option that you could dip into. I'm not. That's how all bad omens start. You know, That's burn some sage, cleanse this, cleanse the space. I'm not trying to do it. Not trying to jinx anything here, but it, it's a good game for like the confidence of knowing, like, hey, we've got this guy who can come in and look comfortable and do his job in the NHL. Again, it's a small sample size, and you're not playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. But, you know, this game makes you feel pretty good about, you know, their number three goalie in, in the depth chart right now. Well, I also think it just it, – well, first of all, you feel good about the depth within the organization. But one of the things that the Leafs have not been able to do the last – well, actually, not just the last couple Home of years. goalies. Actually, yeah, Kyle Dubas' <laughs> yeah. entire tenure, they, they had somebody – and Joe Wall was someone third round pick. He has some pedigree. They obviously had pretty high hopes for him. A bit right. of an up and down, I think, developmental path so far. But this year at the Marlies, he's been dominant. And I think if you're Toronto and if you're him, you feel great that this is being mm-hmm. paired with what you're seeing at the NHL level now, too. Like, yeah. I think this was his fifth or sixth game now with the Leafs. Mm-hmm. And he has been solid. He has not looked like someone who's shaky in the net. He hasn't looked overwhelmed. He doesn't, no offense, look at all like uh, the old Kaskasuo or the other likes from that have come up from the AHL over the last couple of years. So even if he doesn't factor in for them this year, I think it's a really good building block for his confidence this season and also probably helps this team that's going to be really pressed again under the cap next year. If they have to decide on one of these goaltenders, somebody like a Samsonov does end up getting paid. Murray Mm -hmm. doesn't stay workable. You need to move off that contract that you do feel like you have a little depth there. So yeah, Leafs. Um, this this was not a major story for me. Like I guess we could probably talk about Tavares and the power play, and that sure. that ends up really settling them in. But those were mm-hmm. just some pretty classic John Tavares power play goals. I don't yeah. really have a lot of insight into them. The first yeah. one was a nice pass, like it was mm-hmm. a pretty clean goal by the team. Nice little yeah. behind the net pass, one touch. We love movement. a good low to high on the power play. It's classic. Absolutely, I do. Yeah. Also, that just it it looked very crisp and it looked a little different than what we've seen in the past from them. But mm-hmm. yeah, good game from Tavares. Three points. Also took like the pivotal penalty in the game, but he kind of had to. So yeah. I don't know. Good game for him, I guess. I I really don't have a stronger Tavares thought from this one. Just solid. Good <laughs> Tavares. Game. The one thing I'll say, and I'm sure it's something that you would probably agree with, as somebody who loves to, you know 
get into arguments with the analytics community. I love blending eye tests with with underlying numbers and, and data, but the one bone that I've had to pick in recent years is this, you know, a five on five scoring is very important and we know that gives you a better, more holistic picture of you know, how the team is, you know, you look for trends at five on five, right? That's where you figure out how the team is at, you know, pushing the play up ice and, you know, getting high danger chances, et cetera. But there's this weird thing that's kind of come out of that, which is, you know, well, John Tavares only has this many points at five on five this year. Do you not want your captain to be productive on the power play? Like, especially in moments like this, like you're telling me you'd rather John Tavares like not get that power play goal because you want him to be better at five on five, like power play production matters and it matters in the postseason specifically. And we're seeing that John Tavares is elite on the man advantage. And like, that is not a bad thing. That is not something we should be looking at and saying, well, I wish he could give us a little bit more even strength. Sure. I agree with that. We want him to be productive at five on five, but I think the fact that the Leafs have a guy in John Tavares who is one of the top 10 most productive players on the power play is going to be very important uh, down the stretch and in the postseason. Like we've seen, sure, we know that the refs sometimes put the whistles away in the postseason, and that can be a really frustrating thing uh, for fans to watch. And Connor McDavid struggles to draw penalties in the postseason. Um, but we've also seen teams like the Florida Panthers just completely crumble because they can't get anything going on the power play in the postseason. So I, the one thing I'll say about Tavares' night tonight is he continues to be very productive on the power play, and I think that's going to be a really important thing down the stretch in postseason. Oh. Five on five is great, but so is power play production. Yeah, five on five is great. Um, I think that what it is is a couple things. One... It, this has basically been a thing now for a couple of years with Tavares. To me, there's just a certain section of the fan base that almost wants the contract to be bad. This is like where sure. people take, they have an opinion, and then they never want to shift off of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's two things can be true. Is he an $11 million player in today's NHL if he was going to get doled out the contract again? No, I think it's pretty clear that he wouldn't be. Yeah. Is this some kind of historically bad contract? No. Um, the first year of the Tavares contract also actually happens to matter in the grand scheme of things. If you go across and look at it, yeah. basically everything that he's given Toronto from the jump has been pretty quality. I think, again, he's yeah. just a he's a quiet guy. He's probably the fourth most uh, interesting offensive player on the team, I would say. There's not a mm-hmm. lot of just discussions about him unless it usually is his dip because he pretty much grades out as the guy that you expect him to be year over year with the point production. And so... When he has those dips, I think people are really, really ready to jump on it. Um, yeah. When he produces, people basically go, well, that's what he's supposed to do. And so from mm-hmm. a narrative standpoint, I think that he just sort of gets stuck in uh, a pretty difficult place as the captain of this team. Like, I think that's yeah. pretty much what it is. I don't, I don't think that uh, the average observer ever looks at him and goes, yeah, he sucks. <laughs> or yeah, he's really <laughs> a huge disappointment. Yeah. Has been, I would say, completely fine. He has earned his contract and he was solid tonight. Um, they yep. did move his line mates again, though, and mm-hmm. he's with Kerfoot and Kerfoot scores. And unstoppable force. Good for Alex <laughs> Kerfoot, but I think I feel the way that most Leaf fans feel when that happened, which mm-hmm. is Sheldon oh, Keith no. now feels even more justified in <laughs> yeah. keeping him in top six minutes. And that come playoff time, this is going to happen. By the way, on this play, yeah, we've got the video running. Nice breakout pass yeah. by Justin Hall. Like, 
And then mm-hmm. good finish for Kerfoot. I just, I yeah. really worry about Sheldon Keefe, for whatever reason, just has an addiction to this guy in the top six, wants to play him heavy minutes, regardless of the production. And then mm-hmm. he sees one go in like this tonight and just, I, I feel like they're going to be in a spot come playoff time. He's going to have one bad period of a Michael Bunting or one bad period of a Yarncrock, and you are going to see this guy play top six in the postseason. I mean, I I'm not a I don't have an issue with top six Alex Kerfoot at least right now. Don't don't because who else should be there right now? It's not Bunting. it's not Michael Bunting. It's not so. I don't know. You don't just slide him in there just because you want him to end up being back with Austin Matthews. Like he needs to work his way back up to that point because he's still struggling. And I think Alex Kerfoot, even when he's not producing, he can at least, you know, do some good things on the defensive side of the puck. I know that's the lame Alex no, Kerfoot answer, but no, no, it's very I, you know, true. he at least does, if he's not scoring, he's at least doing something else. And right now he looks to have a bit more confidence offensively, but I understand the feeling of like, Oh no, because you're thinking about where is he going to slot in the postseason? And then you're thinking, like, is he going to get a contract extension? Like, no. <laughs> slow it down. Slow it down. I can see that from, from the fan base. But I think the the fix to the Alex Kerfoot problem is just Michael Bunting working his way back up into the top six, right? Like, he's that kind of missing piece that that top six forward group and even potentially the top line needs. I mean, I like Kelly Yarncroke in, in that top line slot. I think he Squad. does everything right. Um, and, and he's, you know, he had a tough year in Calgary last year. Um, but if you looked at the way that he played for the Preds, um, you know, every year prior to getting to the flames, he's a consistent like 15, 16 goal guide, you know, great center can play the wing versatile, does everything right. So I like Yarncroke in that spot, but I think Michael Bunting's kind of that that piece that you want to work his way back up to the top six because then everything else with Ryan O'Reilly coming back and playing in that 3C spot, just everything fits better because then you can get Kerfoot, O'Reilly, and like Lafferty on that third line. And everything just fits if Michael Bunting just starts playing a little bit better. That That is the one thing is I do believe Kerfoot would probably, if they decide to go with Ryan O'Reilly as the 3C, which seems more likely, I know that they'll have offensive yeah. And face-offs where they just decide, you know, we're going to load the line, we're going to move Ryan O'Reilly around. But ultimately, mm-hmm. if they're going to go with a purer second or third checking line, I do think that that's going to involve Alex Kerfoot. I just wonder how many minutes that's going to play for some of the reasons that you just outlined. Bunting yeah. gets his own line again tonight. He had a really nice chance on the power play. He didn't finish. Good shot. But overall, he gets put with basically a really pest line that yeah. I... I wanted to be so annoying to play against. They would want to love that. I wanted to 400 hits between the three of them. Yeah. Really irritating. Some good hitting. (laughs) They drew a penalty, although it was kind of on a really dumb play where I can't remember who it was for Nashville that tries to reach up for a puck and ends up slashing. Oh, uh, it was a Chari. Yeah. Yeah. He slashes a Chari in the hand and then, yeah, gives Toronto a power play, but it didn't. You wanted a little more from it. A little bit more. Do you, yeah. do you think that you give that line another night? Maybe. Like, I, I think you give them another shot. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm having a really hard time putting any energy into these lines, knowing that Ryan O'Reilly is not currently in this lineup because things are just going to continue to be put in a blender. But I think 
Mm. What you can see is that Sheldon Keefe has so many like versatile pieces and he has so many different things that he can do with this lineup, right? Like he has the option to put together, uh, wow, I hate playing against these guys. They're so irritating and pesky third line. Um, but once O'Reilly comes back, then he also has the option to put together a like – Checking and, and matchup line, I think maybe if you think O'Reilly plays on that second line on the left wing or on the center, excuse me, and you slide Tavares to the left wing, then maybe we see the bunting kind of third line option and see those guys just irritate everybody in the postseason. Um, so they've got options. I'd like to see them one more time, but I just wonder, like, what's the end goal of that? that line are they gonna you know just be really annoying are they gonna provide offense like they had some time in the offensive zone and they had a couple chances but I can't imagine that that line is gonna be overly productive so I guess I would just wonder like what's the goal of having those three together if it's just to irritate people I think that was it I think that was I'm fine with that yeah (laughs) like I said I wanted to like them more I liked the hitting Mm -hmm. uh I thought that they did bring some energy on some shifts but overall I'm just being honest. I I did feel a little left wanting when I was yeah. watching the game tonight where I mm-hmm. went, ah, just a little bit something more, a little bit yeah. extra. Make me feel as though there's something, yeah, yeah. bonus to you You guys. were intrigued on paper. Yeah. Just a little like, eh, on paper. They, they actually fine. did it. And I went, this makes sense to me. This just, mm-hmm. this makes sense that you have all the pests together on a line and they're going to be annoying. And I kind of hope that they would maybe just chop one or have a nice little cycle time. Even the fourth line tonight created actually a couple of opportunities to score, but they actually had a couple of nice shifts in the first period. They were a little noticeable. I love that when Wayne Simmons comes into games, he just wants to be so physical. He just tries to throw a huge hit uh, every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He does his thing. I would would take another look at it, but you're right. When it comes to like the long-term vision of the team, if they're going to get Ryan O'Reilly back, you're right. What, what is the point? It does undercut a lot of these things that they decide to take a look at. The blue yeah. line tonight, though, um, mm-hmm. they went with no Lilligren and no Gustafson. Yeah. What'd you think? Because this kind of felt like this. these are the six guys for game one tonight is sort of how I came away with it. Luke Shen, how many hits did he finish with? Six? Seven? He was out there thumping. He was doing his thing. Yeah. I thought everybody was pretty cool. I love quality. it. I love Luke Shen. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. Uh I like the six. I think that's maybe a controversial opinion because it seems like there's a lot of Leafs fans who like don't quite understand why Timothy Lilligren, you know, can't get into that top six. And I and I don't think it's because Timothy Lilligren's not one of the top's most skilled defenders on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like he is a better player in terms of, you know, a skill set than mm-hmm. somebody like Shen. I think most people would agree with that. But I think what we're seeing here is Sheldon Keefe trying to find the right fits for guys and having like a the identity for each pair or the top six. And I think, I mean, you and I had the discussion, you know, the debate between like basically everything that's happening on the blue line revolves around like, where do you want TJ Brody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where does TJ Brody most useful for you? Is it on a shutdown pair with Jake McCabe? Uh, or is it with Morgan Riley, and then everything else kind of shakes out from there? It's it's TJ Brody, and then what happens with everyone yeah. else? I love. That. And I like Brody with McCabe because yeah. I think you put Brody and McCabe as like your minutes eating, you know, five on five against the top 
top lines kind of D pair. And then you can have Morgan Riley with whoever ends up winning that spot between Luke Shen and Timothy Lilligren, essentially, or Eric Gustafson. That's fine too. Um, and then a third pair of, of Geo and Hall, because those two just kind of seem to go about their business. They were really good tonight. Again, Dustin Hall was moving the puck up ice really well. We saw the the pass from him earlier in this segment. Like those two guys just kind of work together. And I think it's just a matter of who fits with Morgan Riley. Because if it's if you want TJ Brody to take on the toughest D matchups and you don't believe that Morgan Riley's the guy that can do that with him, then you need to find somebody who can slot in with Riley and just free them up to to be the offensive guy and shelter them a little bit. Yeah, the the case for, I guess, Shen with Riley is that you actually have someone who can kill a cycle. And Lilligren has done mm-hmm. that well throughout times in the year, but there's just been some some games where the two of them have been together. Last night being another example of it, I didn't think that it was a coincidence that Lilligren yeah. was out of the lineup after the way yesterday finished, where the front of the net just feels like free space. And yeah, I, I think that they're in a bit of a tough spot with it. My guess is you'll end up seeing both of those guys in the first series. To me, it's just a matter mm-hmm. of who ends up getting the very first one. And to me, yeah. I actually wonder if they'll they'll probably put Lilligren in game one just because you have last change. And maybe they mm-hmm. feel like they can control him a little bit better, the situations that he's in, versus when they end yeah. up going on the road. If that doesn't work out for them, if they're not up 2 nothing in the series, Maybe they end up flipping it and switching it. Uh, just little notes from me now where uh, yep. prior to kind of close this show, if there's anything that you think I missed. Um, I, I could not believe that Matthews looked as good as he did tonight, given he had 15 mm-hmm. minutes the night before and then flew across the country and then still looked big and dominant. I, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. He's a professional athlete. I just There were moments in the game where I went, holy crap, wow, this is amazing. So I, I, I yeah. can't more positive sign for any Leaf fan right now than – the fact that Matthews is not just like dominating once in a while or once every night. It's just like every single game right now, he seems to have his legs going. He looks strong. He looks dangerous constantly. Huge bonus for the team. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. That's like if there is any kind of worry creeping in based on the Leafs just looking okay since the trade deadline, like the kind of trump card is that austin matthews looks like austin matthews again um and maybe the reason why you were like pleasantly surprised by this because we had several months of the season's worth of austin matthews looking off and looking you know a step slow and he couldn't get a shot off the same and it didn't look strong it wasn't as like fluid and we know now that he was dealing with a hand injury and you Mm. know various bumps and bruises this season but like he looks like he is back in his kind of groove like we're seeing the versatility of a shot he's getting shots off in traffic he's got a quick release again uh he's doing all the things on on the defensive side of the puck he's big he's physical like he just looks like what we were used to and mm-hmm. i think that's the ultimate trump card of like whatever worries might be creeping in is like well at least you've hosted matthews looking, looking like himself great. again really looking great and yeah i I'm sure he did have a wrist thing all year long, and I'm sure that he's dealt with bumps and bruises. I actually am now, though, of the mind that he felt checked out for some portions of the season and was going, our team is good. We're fine. I don't care as much about these individual awards anymore. I already got yeah. a heart trophy across from Connor McDavid. 
And now the playoffs are starting to get close and he can smell it. And he knows that this is sort of the last thing. Like, on the let's table. get he's going. To, yeah. He's starting to heat yeah. up. Um, last note for me, kudos to Sheldon Keefe. Everything he touched tonight was gold. I know I made the joke about Kerfoot and how it worries me that he's going to play him too much, but he shuffled up the lines. It worked. Kerfoot ends up scoring yeah. a goal. He changes out the D pairings. They have a really, really solid night and, and Shen gives them basically everything they wanted. And then Toronto gets scored on. He calls a timeout at a pretty unconventional time. Team yeah. settles down. They draw a penalty shortly after. They put the game back up and score the game-winning goal. So kudos yeah. to Sheldon Keefe. I think that we we oftentimes neglect you know, a coach's impact, and he's usually somebody that yeah. uh, people will rail on because that's what mm-hmm. you do as a sports fan is complain about the coach. It's, uh, it's a soft target. But, yeah, really good game for him tonight. Yeah, it's almost like saying that Sheldon Keefe should get fired after the first month this season was just fine. Actually, you know, exactly the same as last year's first month the season was like not the right, not the right move. I don't know anyone who even discussed those takes. Are you <laughs> no. serious? Of course. I had it myself. What are you talking about? This is a joke. Oh. Was, uh, we had it for <laughs> What are you talking about? It was Where were you? Game. everywhere every game was uh his lifeblood anything left for you no i'm with you on on the sheldon keith moves and also just the fact that the leafs like didn't waste the gift they were gifted you know a pretty dumb penalty by cal foot high sticking william nylander at the end there after they just got a gift and you know tied the game up got themselves or not tied the game up but got got themselves on the board and got themselves like in the game uh, and he takes the penalty. I'm not sure what he was complaining about. He clearly slashed, high-sticked him in the face. Um, and the Leafs go out on the power play, and, and it's John Tavares. It's, and he comes, and, and he gets the gets the goal. They they didn't waste that little silver platter they were given. So that's it for me. Good for the Leafs. Uh, you can follow her at Haley underscore Salvian. You want to plug any of your work, shows, anything? <laughs> No. <laughs> You're not going to plug your work? Haley uh, she also you has can help. catch me at The Athletic. I host The Athletic Hockey Show on Friday mornings. Uh, I write at The Athletic. Uh, Women's World Championships is coming up, so I'm going to be dialed in on that for the next three weeks. Team Canada looking for back-to-back-to-back world championships, which will be pretty huge. Uh, so that's that's a big deal. And I'll be on the morning show tomorrow so right on the fan 590 so you know if if you aren't sick of me wake up at 6 a.m with me yeah and listen to that some more i'll have the exact same takes in the morning you're really nice for doing this the night before the morning (laughs) show if this was a seven o'clock game i probably wouldn't even absolutely not yeah (laughs) exactly all right well i'll let you i'll let you go succession you can go play with your dog i'm sad that bono didn't make an appearance tonight on he's sleeping in this one spot you can't see on the couch so he got a little camera shy you really it really would have helped the the numbers on the show had we yeah if the dog was here sam's dog is never in the mix born every once in a while has a cat that will make an appearance maybe animals just don't like you that has nothing i am the sound of your voice coming through the speakers and they scatter I am an animal whisperer, all right? Animals uh-huh. love me. I yeah. adore animals. We have a, a real like Snow White situation going on where I show up, they usually come out. Uh, you can Except when walk- you're on the show. Yeah, except for when Got I'm it. on the show. Yeah, digital. Something's lost through the screen. A lesson mm-hmm. to us all. Get- yeah. And what do they say? Touch some grass. Uh, also <laughs> touch that like button. Hit the thumbs up. 
You can leave five stars on iTunes. You can leave five stars on Spotify. You can do all those nice things. You can share the podcast, do everything like that. Uh, for JD Bunkus, for Haley Salvian, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you Wednesday.